Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, praise God. So back about February, I was teaching the men's group, uh, men's breakfast group, about making memorials and making really uh, reciting spiritual things back to our children and our grandchildren and not letting the things that, uh, you know, that God has done in our lives go away when, as, as we age. And uh, during the middle of my sermon, my phone went off. And I thought, well, who could it be? And I looked, and it was my wife calling. Yeah. You know, I was like, what does she want? What is she calling me at this time for? So I made a memorial... Um, jog in my memory to always make sure my phone is off whenever I'm behind the pulpit. So <laughs> we have accomplished that. So I asked her, actually, I, I got kind of flustered when, when it went off and then it went off a second time and I gave it to Mike Hill and I said, you know, go answer it. It might be an emergency. I don't, you know, I don't know. I thought she knew I was preaching. She was calling to see if I was done yet. <laughs> <laughs> She had the order a little bit backwards. She thought that we had our speech, and then we had breakfast. And we, we do it the other way. We have breakfast, and then we, we have our talk. And she's like, well, after you feed them, what, what keeps them around? And I'm like, come on, you know, they get, it, they get to hear me, you know, or whoever the guest speaker is that, that week, so... Boy, I thought I made all of the gym meetings, uh, and I, I just really enjoyed them. And looking forward to listening to them again. Uh, I think all of our desire is to be closer to the Lord, and He brought up some things that I, I guess I have to say I never thought of. Um, you know, of how to how to search out and spend time with God. So. I really, really enjoyed that. So, and I hope you did too. So, something that God's been talking to me about, seems like the last four, three or four years, is uh, the world population. And currently, if you don't know, there's 7,815,463,945 people alive on the earth. It's a clock that keeps it to nap on my phone that keeps on going. Um, if you go back in history, Bible history goes back almost 6,000 years, and we can deduct somewhere about 160 generations have lived. And historians, of course, don't always agree on exactly how many people were alive at any one time, but we're coming to the place where... Uh, if we're, even if we're very generous and say there have, since the beginning of time, have been two billion people alive, we're coming to that place where we're going to be able to, in 2023, the earth population expected to hit eight, million, eight billion people. So four times as many people will be alive as have lived through history. You know, the Bible talks about a large harvest, we can take, take out a majority of those people to take them to heaven with us. Praise God, that would be wonderful. Oh, praise God. Well, I want to say uh, the people on Facebook, uh, a shout out to my good buddy, 
uh, dapper Don Lippy in Segan, Texas. In July, he sent me a, a picture of his thermometer. It was 106 degrees at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the shade. So <laughs> I'm going to wait till mm, January, February and take a picture and show him the minus 22 with six inches of snow that we have. So, <laughs> so you know, talking about all, all these people out there, there's, a, there's an easy way that we can continue on and, and go forth, or there's the hard way, as they say. The gospel will go forth. It doesn't matter uh, what is going to go in, on in our political realm. But I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about that. Uh, you look at China, probably one of the most oppressed um, countries in the world. Uh, one of my Gideon, uh, former Gideon buddies, went to China and was distributing Bibles. It was about five years ago. And they do it a little differently over there. You can't, here you can just hand out Bibles. There you can only take in as many Bibles to a church as they have people. So if there's 300 people, you can bring in 300 Bibles and give them out. And of course, those go out from there. And so he, he got to talking to some of the leaders in China and asked, you know, you know how, are th the, how are things going? And, and of course, they gave him updates. And then they were curious how the church is doing in the United States. That, that, was, that was one of the things they really wanted to know. How, how's the health of the church? How's the, how's the church doing? And, you know, so they, they exchanged information. And the thing he took away was this, the, these leaders said, don't pray for us that the persecution stops. Pray for us that we have boldness to live out our faith. And I just thought, that, wow, that's amazing. Uh, I'm sure they'd like the persecution to stop. It's not that. It's just that their main concern is that they live their Christian faith and that they present that. We've been challenged this year a little bit differently. Um, you've probably had to decide whether or not do I wear a mask in this building or, or don't I? Um, you've had to decide, is the Bible relevant to, for today, what's going on? I want to thank our pastor. Um, there's not all the churches in town are getting taught on current events in, with a biblical worldview. And that's important for us to know how relevant the Bible is to what's going on even as uh, we're we're uh, living and, and going forth. Back about 2014, 2015, God started dealing with me about voting. And I have voted every time that I've been old, old enough to vote. But I really just kind of did a hit and miss, I guess you'd call it. Uh, I'd find out, you know, who, well, who do you think is the best person? Who do you think, is, it, you know, that. <clears throat> and I just really felt like God was dealing for me. It's time to educate myself on on voting and digging in a little deeper than just picking, you know, what other people were, were saying. So I came up about, um, of course, in, if you remember the Republican Party and the, and the Democratic Party, um, there were, when they first started, there were 20 plus Republican uh, people that were running for presidency. And to research each of them would, would be quite, uh, quite a time. So I came across a, a website that had both of the party platforms on PDF. And I picked three moral issues. I'm going to give you some suggestions of, of what some that you might consider. 
border control, gun control, abortion, transgenderism, the sanctity of marriage. And I recommend that you go ahead and look into those and get a biblical worldview and then compare them with what the, what the platforms are from the different groups. From the two, the two, the Republican and the Democratic. You don't have to read all of it. You can, you can find the index and go and pick the area that you're looking at. How do those two parties hold up? Uh, some resources for you would be uh, Big Sky World Worldview Forum, My Fo My Faith Votes, and America Stands. So a couple of scriptures I want to look at. On this is First Timothy two. Don't hear pages turning much anymore. And verse fourteen. I don't think that's my, the right scripture. I'm looking for the, the scripture that says that we're to pray for all who are in authority. I'm sorry. Yes. First of all, then, I urge that all entries and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving may be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, when the election is over and whatever party comes into uh, power, it won't be a surprise for God. He won't fall off the throne uh, or even be worried about it. But for our sakes, we need to vote righteousness. We need to be, um, we need to show and, and know that the people that we voted for were the ones that would have done what God had set in their hearts. Some people uh, don't want to get involved in voting. There's, was, in the last election, there was 25 million uh, Christians who did not vote. And if you look at the Bible, you don't see uh, that to bear out, that God does tell us to be involved in the policies and the, and the, pol and the politics of our country. Uh, in Numbers 11:16, Moses was directed to elect 70 representatives that they could vote and that they could help him lead the, the children of Israel. And Proverbs, twenty-nine-two. hopefully this is the right scripture. 
It says, when, the righteous, when righteousness increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people moan. One of the, uh, one of the most powerful lobby groups in our nation is the NRA. The NRA has five million members. There's 332 million Americans. So it lets you know how, how many people are quiet on subjects. So we need to, uh, I encourage you to, to educate yourself. You've got a month before election to learn the issues and to hit the resources that you can find. There's lots of them on the, on the internet that are uh, Christian resources. I want to leave this thought on this subject, and it's if you don't vote, you're going to be ruled by the people who do. So we have a, we have a God-given right to direct our country in the way we want it to go for our generation, and we need to, to step up and, and do what is good. So I want to talk about growing up spiritually. Uh, and voting is part of that. I think that's an important part. So when Pastor asked me in July to talk, um, it was about eight, nine weeks be, uh, before this, I had no idea what he was going to be talking about on Wednesday night. It happens that my uh, scripture is Philippians 1, 5 and 6. We didn't coordinate that. <laughs> In fact, every time he was talking on it during our Wednesday night, I was like, go past that, hurry up. Don't, don't spend so much time on that, but I want to talk about that. <laughs> so Paul is, again, thanking them and, and writing to them in verse 5, in, in viewpoint of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, until the day of Jesus Christ. That word perfect is, you know, we think of uh, no error or just absolute perfection, but it's actually mature or complete. Um, Paul, was, I'm going to have a statement here. I want to, Paul was absolutely confident that for people like this, those who are demonstrating a cooperation with the Holy Spirit, leading their, their lives, God would bring to completion the good thing that he had begun in them. Paul was confident of that. We could use the word mature or well-seasoned. I was listening to Coach Dundee, a Super Bowl coach, um, and he had a system. When he took over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he went into the locker room and he told all the, had all the players and all the assistant coaches gathered. And he told them, he said, if you're that kind of player that needs somebody to get in your face and yell at you and scream at you and tell you what a rotten person you are because you didn't make that play correctly, he said, I'm not that kind of coach. Come talk to me after our, our meeting. And so, you know, they had their finished their meeting and he said, nobody came. 
And he was quite happy about that because he knew that he couldn't motivate a, an athlete that needed that, <clears throat> but he was going to be willing to arrange a trade for them to go to a place where they would be motivated. But he had a system, and that system worked for him. <clears throat> and Paul knows that God has a system that works for us. God has a plan. We can be well-seasoned if we follow that system. When I worked at LensCrafters, we had 18 machines that ran from beginning to final result. Each machine had between seven and nine steps that had to be carried out, and they had to be done the same way each time in the same order. And so we knew that when we took a, a new person that it was going to be a while to train them to go through these. But a seasoned person could come in and take over in the middle of a job. So I ha had a, a lab tech, we'll call him Brian. Uh, one day we were very slow, so Brian took off for lunch. And of course what normally happens is when you let one person go is you get lots of jobs come in. So I had three jobs come in, I got them started, and we're in the, in the process. He returned, and he punched back in, and he looked and said, he said, uh, go, go to lunch, I got this. He was well-seasoned. He was able to uh, take over and run those jobs and didn't need to be, uh, didn't have to have a lot of explanation. Uh, as seasoned Christians, uh, we'll make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect, but we're going to we're going to um, we're going to continue to grow to where our mistakes are less often, and they're going to be less impactful on our lives. Success is not automatic. You can have a gym membership, but you need to work out. Just coming to church and listening to the preaching, listening to the teaching, as good as, as food as we get here, and we do get good food, uh, it won't do anything if we don't take it to heart and, and, and take it and, and act on it. The Bible says the doer of the word is the one who is successful. So areas that you can look to uh, to cooperate with God in your lives to see what he wants to do. There's different, different ones. I'm going to bring out several here. Uh, when I was 15, I had an opportunity to go elk hunting. And that was by Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And my friend Kenny and I were, he invited me to go. His dad was a developer in, in Dillon and built big condos. And he brought his investors from back east and then he'd get a, a wrangler and they'd have 12 horses. And these guys really weren't elk hunters or deer hunters, any. They just wanted to go to the bar and drink, I think. But, <laughs> but so Kenny and I and his brother-in-law and his brother, the four of us, took two horses. We put packs on them, we put tents, we took off and we hiked and we had the horses pulling our supplies. And we got up there and we made camp and we discovered a tactical error. We had one can of Campbell's Hungry Man Stew between the four of us <laughs> and a cast iron skillet. That was, somebody had overlooked the, the cooking supplies. So we split the stew as best as we could for the evening and went to bed hungry, obviously. Uh, in the morning, the two brothers got up 
and we heard some shooting, and we're like, oh, okay, maybe they saw an elk early in the morning. But they came back with a, with a squirrel. <laughs> and if you ever shot a squirrel with a hunting rifle, <laughs> not a lot left. So trying to, and they weren't really in sharing mood, you know, we were, Kenny and I were trying to talk them in, and, and we did get a morsel, but again, it wasn't enough to satisfy. So we, we took off and, and went scouting out just to see what was in the area, and lo and behold, laughing and joking and, and doing everything you shouldn't do as a hunter, we came over a little hill and there was a spike and, and had about four cows. We had a cow tag and a spike, so we took those two. So now it was our turn to have the food and maybe not share. <laughs> so we went back to camp. We cut a leg off and we went back to camp and, and we uh, started frying up a steak. And we hear this crashing noise coming through the brushes, running. These two brothers had smelled the, the cooking and they knew, and they had heard our shots too, and so they knew that we had, had gotten some food. <clears throat> So, you know, obviously after a little cohersing, we, we did share with them. And, 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 you know, it was an interesting trip. But I want to talk and bring that up because it was an alternate hunting opportunity. We didn't expect to go squirrel hunting when we had an elk trip planned. What do you do when it's not all about you? What do you do when the, the pastor is preaching, talking, and all of a sudden he takes off and we call it chasing rabbits. I suggest that we, we change that. We no longer call it chasing rabbit trails, but that we call it alternate hunting opportunities. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with acronyms. I think a lot of you are. Uh, at LensCrafters, I, I, I talked with my son, he's in the army, and we, we'd argue who had more acronyms of what things stood for. When I first came on with the company, I was a lab manager, so they told me now, you're going to have to write employees a PIP or a, or a CAR from time to time if they, if they mess up, and I think, wow, it's a wonderful company, they're going to give people a TV with a picture in picture, and if they really mess up, they're going to give them a car, no, it wasn't that at all, <clears throat> it was a corrective action report or something, but what do you do when it's not all about you? When there's a prayer line and people are coming up to the, to the front, do you dig in and believe God that they're going to get what they came for? <clears throat> I was doing a Bible study in, one, in a prison, and our normal Bible study is we would take a chapter, and this will happen to be the cha chapter in Romans, and we were reading, we'd read three or four verses, and then we'd talk about it, and then we'd go on, and... Uh, one gentleman that was, we had about five guys in the group, and the one gentleman read the scriptures, and I just felt inspired that I was, we, we talked a little bit about what those scriptures meant, but I felt like I needed to tell, there was a gentleman sitting over on my left side, I made eye contact with him, and I just knew that I needed to tell him how much God loved him. So I took just a little bit of time and, and told us, told him how you know how fortunate we are as Christians that God loves us and He cares about us and and He's uh, you know He He wants the best for us. And then we read another three or four scriptures, and this time 
when we, when I, we went to talk about what the scriptures were, to, were meaning, uh, I heard my spirit hit it. And to an old uh, street racer, that means floor it. Put, put it to the metal. So I knew that I was still supposed to talk to this guy about love. Um, so I, I said, you know, there's one place in the Bible that Jesus used three parable, parable, parables in a row. Excuse me. And that's in Luke 15, 3 through 24. And, you know, you're all familiar with it. You can look it up if you'd like. Uh, it is the lost sheep. It is the widow sweeping, looking for the, the lost coin. And then it's the prodigal son, that we, the father looking for his son. And it could be that Jesus told those three parables that way because we know that repetition helps us. We learn by doing things over and over and over again. But as I was studying this, I felt the Holy Spirit talking to me and, and said, you know, not that that's wrong, but the first one represents urgency. That sheep is lost. And we don't know what time of day it is. If darkness is coming in, or even if it's you know, afternoon, we know that the, the, the predator animals like to separate and attack. They do that. If, if they don't have to separate a sheep because it's lost, it's, it's a, I'd call it a sitting duck, but that's the wrong animal. <laughs> so I think the first one, Jesus was trying to emphasize the urgency that God has to reach each and every one of us, to reach every person and how much he loves us. The second one, if you've ever been in a house with a hard, packed down dirt floor, um, you almost would need to take a rock. When I was in Ethiopia, we, we visited the leper colony and there was a lady living in what I would call a shed um, and her ground was, was just packed ground, but it had been packed for so long that it was hard and almost shiny, if you would. and to to clean it uh, or to, to find something after sweeping it, you would have to take a rock and scrape it and look for this coin that had been embedded in, uh, in the floor. And so I think we see that a persistency in the, in the second thing, God doesn't give up on us. God loves us, he cares about us, and he will never force himself on us, but he continues to, to come after us, to continue to show us his love. And then the third one is covering. I think God's a, a covering God. I'm going to embellish the story a little bit because I like to do things like that. So I can see this rich ruler, when his son left, he, he had his servants build a tower where he could climb up on and had stairs that went around on the outside. And so he could sit up on the tower. And he, had, he ordered from the seacoast, one of the uh, ocean-going um, captains, one of their, their spy glasses. So he could be up on this tower and he could spy and look. And he's looking for his son. And then one day his son comes. And as he's running down this, his butler, James, everybody has a good butler, James, right? Uh, <laughs> sees him coming down. He senses the urgency and he snaps his finger and four young men join him and they start running next to the, next to the, the, the dad, the, the ruler. And um, the ruler says, go get my robe. We need to, we need to cover him. And so the, the butler dispatches one of the young men to run uh, and back to the house and get the, the coat and then the sandals and then the ring. And when the, when the father reaches 
the son, these servants have caught up because they're young and can run faster than the father. And so the first thing that the father does, and, and the Bible really doesn't say that he removes the old robe, but I believe he does. I think he took that old robe and he discarded it because there's not any kosher pigs. And if you're Jewish, you can be killed, you can be stoned for having defiled yourself and defiling others with, with the, the stone or with the pigs. So I think he took that, that robe off and he put the robe, his good robe, over him and covered all of his, his son's uh, heirs. And then he put sandals on his feet to protect his feet. And then he took his, his ring, his signet ring, the ring that, that he could buy anything that he needed with and put it on his finger. And as I shared this story with this young man, he, he didn't say anything the rest of the, the service, really didn't. But I, he got real somber, if you will. And so you'd normally at the end of the service, I would ask if anybody needed prayer. Never prayed that they'd get out of prison. I pray that they'd have favor if they're going before the judge, if they're meeting with their lawyer, any probation, anything like that, because sometimes the best thing for them is to stay and be separated from the, the temptations that they have on the outside. And as we were asking people, um, do you have anything for prayer, anything coming up? The gentleman, the young man, uh, looked at us and, and he, he, said, he said, Saturday I had a big uh, fight with my wife when she called. Um, I got angry at her and, 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 you know, was really, he said, I was wrong, but that's, that's what happened. And Saturday evening, I was feeling pretty bad, and, and I told God, you haven't told me that you love me very, very much recently. And so Monday night, this Yehu is in there telling him, God loves you by the Holy Spirit. It was an alternate hunting opportunity. It was a rabbit trail from the study, but it's what the Spirit of God wanted to get through to that, young, that one young person. And I want you to think about that as your day goes on. Sometimes uh, Marilyn Hickey says she plans for an interruption. So she sets aside a half hour in her busy schedule just to, um, she knows sooner or later something's going to go off of the appointment book or the scheduling. So she just plans on it. And I want you to think about if something goes off, of, off the rail different than you expected, is this an opportunity for you to minister, minister to someone? Is that what God's wanting to do? <clears throat> I think we have um, the next topic I wanted to talk We're kind of doing bullet points on growing up spiritually, if you would, is... These two are really close to each other is what do you believe and why? When I started going to Rama, um, one of our teachers uh, encouraged us to do this. He said that you know he came in and he had his set beliefs, and God asked him, "Well, why do you believe that?" And well, we always have believed it. That's what our church believed. And so he encouraged him to really look at the scriptures and determine what is scriptural and what is man-made. Let's go to uh, Philippians 1.6. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that's our main one. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
What do you believe and why? The Karate Kid has some things we can glean from. The, the first one, um, is it Mr. Mayanji? Is that the... Thank you. I won't try and repeat it. His, uh, his style of teaching was let and let live, and karate was through wax on and wax off and daily things. And then we see the bully and the bully's camp. Um, the, the teacher in that group is very aggressive. He's all about winning. He's all about... Um, you know, it doesn't matter what's right, what's wrong, what's sportsman, what's not. It's all about winning. And so we, we can look at that and we can see those two drastically different uh, ways of thinking it. And we need to realize that when we became Christians, we said that we would follow a, a teacher, and that teacher is Christ. And we don't have the right to believe anything we want. Uh, I think that... Um, I think that a lot of people allow themselves, uh, they don't allow the, uh, the Bible to get into the way of what they believe. You know, that's an Andrew Womack uh, quote. When we see something in the Bible, to grow up spiritually, we need to recognize it, we need to see that, and we need to realize that maybe what we were thinking and believing before wasn't correct. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So when we read the, in the Bible, the, we can see that that scripture wasn't just put, that wasn't just put in there for to fill a page. There's a, a, a belief. There is um, a way of thinking and a way of living. And a lot of times, the the Bible is backwards from the world system. Uh, if you want to be great among the, the, the Bible, Jesus said to serve. He got down on his knee and took a towel and a basin and washed the disciples' feet because he wanted to serve them. He showed that the, the way of the world is to you know, have other people serve you, and Jesus told us the way to, to be great is to serve other people. What about uh, if you want to live then you need to lay down your life and die. That's backwards from what the world says. The world says you should be in control of your own life and everything and do what you want, and that's the way to live. The Bible says to lay down your desires and pick up God's desires, and, and that's the way to life. We can trust God to have a good plan for our life. We can trust him uh, to know what we need. And in fact, when, we look, when I look back at my life, I'm like, wow, God, you know, six grandkids. Um, by the way, I think that to grow up spiritually, God gives you kids. And if that doesn't work at your patience enough, then he gives you grandkids. <laughs> Oli can ask like 25 questions in a minute. And they're not why. 
They're not like, why, why, why? I mean, they're intelligent questions. You know, sometimes you hesitate to say anything because you, you wonder, what questions is he going to come up with? <laughs> and that is one of my points, is that when we run out of patience, we run out of faith. We need to be patient. We need to love one another. So you need to find scripture for what you believe. I was at, uh, working at a job and uh, was pretty much known I, I was a, a Christian. And one of the guys came up to me and says, do you really believe in hell? And I, well, let's see. And I, and I did this out loud with him. I, I said, Jesus talked about both heaven and hell, talked about angels and demons, spiritual powers. Yeah, I believe in hell. I can't pick. I can't say I believe in heaven and I don't believe in hell. They, you can't pick and choose what you want. This isn't Christianity a la carte. Uh, the, you know, when, you, when you sign up for karate, you are under the instruction of the karate teacher. When you sign up for Christianity, you're under the instructions for, for Christianity. So I want to encourage you to, to make a quality decision. A quality decision is something that you determine that when God speaks to you, asks you, why do you feel this way? Why do you believe this? Why do you think that way? That you're open enough to, I don't know, God, I just always have. Or maybe there is a scripture that you think applies to it. I was brought up in a very religious uh, Christian group. Um, it kind of was a Christianity and Judaism together because they tried to follow the Ten Commandments and follow the Friday night to Saturday night Sabbath. And so, you know, if you were a kid and did anything, that was a sin. Um, it just, you know, they were very sin conscious. So for me, I've had to really work on uh, the grace teaching and really sit down and, and go, why, why, do I, why do I have these thoughts? Why do I have these feelings? Um, I asked myself the other day if the mailman brought a letter that said, to all the righteous saints in Billings, would I go ahead and open it? Do I see myself as a righteous saint? Do you? Can you stand in front of the mirror and, and look, in the, look yourself in the eye and say, you know, Jesus loves me, God loves me as much as he does Jesus. I'm just as valuable to, to God as Jesus is. What the Bible teaches, that Jesus laid down his life for one individual, you. So I want to encourage you to, I haven't been shaving, but I have been, have been looking in the mirror. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had some pretty long meetings, and, uh, and it amazed me that, Jim, like um, Leanne Sosby when she was here, it was like two hours went by. And I knew the meeting was long, but it didn't seem like two hours. It, it flowed. And I, I attribute that to the, the, we prayed for them beforehand, those meetings uh, as a corporate church. We prayed for those, those meetings. So I'm going to close with uh, encouraging you to look in your life, find places where God's dealing with you. Um, if you're a guy, your wife can help you. Uh, 
as my wife does, because sometimes, like I said, I run out of patience. I want to encourage you to continue to take steps to follow after God, to know that he is interested not only in the completed project, but the steps along the way. When I worked at LensCrafters and we had a new person, they were so nervous about, oh, I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make a mistake. And we are like, we don't want you to make a mistake either. We're going to be watching over you. We're going to help you. We're going to make sure that you know, you're not going to uh, torch these $1,200 lenses. Because uh, <laughs> then the company doesn't like it. Um, and God is concerned and interested not only about the end result, but each step of the way, he wants to engage with you and have a relationship with you and help you to de develop and to become a better, more mature, well-rounded Christian. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.